ones who done left the yard. When they come in, son, they rep hard. Sit on no fun in their squad. There they go, they the sons of God. They the ones who done left the yard. When they come in, son, they rep hard. Sit on no fun in their squad. What up, what up, what up, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back, welcome back to The Vortex, this is Across the Intersection Podcast, this is AJ and I'm in here with the ladies, ladies, that's a 90s throwback there, um, we are always and available on divemedia.co, that is divemedia.co, you can get all of our past episodes there. And we are also wherever podcasts are disseminated, Apple, Google, Spotify, and the rest. And you can reach us on the socials at This Is Dive Media. That is at This Is Dive Media. And I can be reached at Divinimus, D-I-V-E-N-O-M-O-U-S. And I'm at E to the V to the on Twitter as well as IG. And I'm at Tina Clarice on IG and Facebook and Twitter. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So as you can tell, we are grown. We are all the way grown, folks. So there's no TikTok, no snaps. I'm sorry. I'm just, I think I'm just a little too grown for that. I'm sorry. You can I, call think snaps is on the, I think Snapchat is on the outs, actually. You know, I was reading an article. Um, It was a financial article. But because so many older people are getting on TikTok, a lot of younger people are leaving TikTok going back to Snapchat. So and a lot of people like um, investors were going back to invest in in Snapchat because they saw the uptick of young people going back to uh, going back to Snap. I thought that was hilarious. And some of my uh, Gen Z students are back on Facebook. When I started seeing them pop up on my Facebook I said, I asked a few of them, I said, what are you doing over here? This is for old people. And they said, well, they like some of the features for Facebook better than IG. So, ah, look yeah. at that. Fickle. That's all it is. Now, Fickle. look, now, if they open my space back up, it's a wrap. Oh your your boy's going to be on there. Lickety split. <laughs> oh, man. My space popped back up. We all there, right? We all going to be there. No, just kidding. I know some of the folks, look, folks under the age of 35 are like, what is a MySpace? What Y'all are Googling MySpace right now. I'll give you a second. Go Google MySpace. You see Tom, <laughs> Tom and all of them is there. We, 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 we were all there. The early 2000s. It was a wonderful time. It was. <laughs> anyway. Oh, man. So, ladies, we I'm, I'm glad that we're I'm, I'm here chatting with you all tonight. Um, not just because Avery sucks. No, I'm just kidding. Avery doesn't suck. <laughs> What's up, A? Um, he's just big timing us tonight. Um, no, nah, he's not big timing us. I'm full of I'm full of my zings tonight. It's what happens when you start recording. See, normally we're we're recording early in the morning, right? We're normally recording early, so you know we're all like, let's just get this over with. <laughs> now it's late. It's later in the day. We all like whatever. Let's let's just keep it popping anyway. So we, we, we're going to continue the conversation. You know, Avery and I, we had chit-chatted about this a couple of weeks ago in terms of a father's impact on a child's spiritual development, their faith formation, so to speak. And we, you know, we, we, we took a deep dive into some Barna research. 
And after we had recorded that show, we thought, man, this, this will really be good to get, you know, Tina and Eve on here to kind of give their perspective from, you know, from a female perspective. You know, we were talking as, as two men and, you know, two guys who did not have a lot of that in our background personally in terms of our our biological fathers pouring into us to create that spiritual formation, right, that spiritual development um, and just some of the ways in which we want to move forward in our own lives. And so we thought, you know what, let's do a part two of this um, and hear what even Tina got to say and, you know, kind of get your thoughts. So we want to kind of circle back. So for those of you who listened to the last episode, this is going to just be a continuation. Barna, Barna Research, you can go check them out at Barna.com. This is not sponsored, but Barna, you can sponsor me anytime. <laughs> you cut the check. Um, Barna.com, go check out. They, they wrote an article back in 2019 regarding who is responsible for a child's faith formation, right? Their spiritual growth and development. Who's responsible? And they interviewed a lot of different church leaders and pastors, and they asked, you know, and one of the things that Avery and I had come to, uh, you know, one of our conclusions, and, you know, I do my best to not be so cynical, but see, I got these two genuine ladies on here tonight, y'all, so you're going to be able to balance out my cynicism um, with some genuine, (laughs) some genuine faith. Some genuine faith is over here. Anyway, but you know, the the conclusion that, you know, Avery and I had, had come to a couple of weeks ago was just, it was it was a little incomplete because in interviewing these church leaders, a lot of them said, oh, yes, of course, parents are the number one influence and they're the number one force behind a child's growth and spiritual development. But then if you read on in the article, and I'll put the article in, in, in um, this show's notes as well, then when the um, researchers from Barna went on to ask, well, what do you do for a child's spiritual development? All of the answers were like church programs. They were like, you don't do any development for parents or nothing like that. You just kind of, <laughs> and you know, the article sort of, the article let you come to your own conclusions. You know how Barna does. They just say, well, look, here's the, here's the research. Here's the stats. You come to your own conclusion, but yeah. this is how it's adding up. <laughs> one and one is not equal in two right now. So wanted to bounce it to you ladies. What, what are your thoughts on that in, in terms of parents, you know, in particular father's role in a child's spiritual development, you know, as well as other things. And then how, you know, the imbalance, you know, has taken place and continues to take place in many, many of our churches where we kind of depend on the professional ministers to do the do the the heavy lifting in terms of our our child our, our our child's spiritual development. And you know, even if, you know, for you ladies who and anybody else listening who might have grown up in church, your spiritual development being left over to, you know, the professional, so to speak. Um, well, I can, I can hop in, uh, first. I, you know, I think from my experience, uh, parents do play a, a really a pivotal role and they did play a very pivotal role in my life. Uh, I think it was a lot less, uh, about them getting real preachy at home as much as it was about, there wasn't a difference in who they were at church mm. and who they were at home. Like, like, yeah, like my parents were just my parents. So who you saw at church were the same people that you saw at home that you saw when we were at family reunions when like they were just my parents. So for me, it was just like that. That's the it's just a part of who you are. And I think a lot of that like really shaped my relationship with God. It was never 
a Sunday morning kind of um, experience for me. It was just, uh, this is a lifestyle um, or, or it's nothing. So I, I think that, you know, for me, I just outright kind of say that um, this, the modeling of that through everyday living in life is what had the greatest influence on me and my spiritual walk. That's a really interesting point. Um, we, my, my brother and I didn't actually, our family didn't join a church, actually join a church till I was a freshman in high school. And um, I think this might be indicative of a lot of baby boomers. They grew up in church. They were forced to go to church. So when they had their families, they didn't necessarily <laughs> force it on, on their kids. And so they knew right. all this time that something was missing. And we visited churches. We were basically holiday Christians, but we didn't actually join a church until I was a freshman. However, we're still African-Americans. So there were certain culturalisms that were included um, growing up, for example, Bible verses around the table, you know, when you have dinner. Um, you know, of course, my brother and I would repeat the same verse and we did not, we weren't asked to explain it that much. Um, we did a lot more talking around the table about politics, but, you know, so, so it was kind of, I'm happy they did it, but, you know, it's not like it was any sort of deep spiritual exercise. My brother always shows the always chose the shortest verse in the Bible. And I always, I always chose the first. And then my mother and father chose theirs and we said our grace and we ate, you know, but little things like that at least exposed us to the fact that there is a Bible. Right. <laughs> um, I got my first uh, Bible gift from my dad when I was in the sixth grade and I cried over it, didn't understand why I was crying over it. So I had some kind of, I don't know, reverence for this book, I guess, whatever it was. So that's the first thing I wanted to say that even though I didn't or we didn't really uh, join a church and get active in it until teenagehood, um, we grew up knowing that God existed. I remember being taught how to pray and now I lay me down to sleep and the Lord's Prayer, you know, stuff that, again, I think it's a Black folks in America type natural thing, which is more cultural than anything. Um, so, so that's the first thing. Um, so it was hard to really tell whether it was my dad's influence or my mom's, you know, that sort of gave me a spiritual identity um, the most. Then we joined church when I was, again, freshman in, in uh, high school. My brother and I got involved, and it was actually my mother um, that, my dad was out of town on business, and my mother, brother, and I were in church. And my mother decided, okay, we're going to join because, you know, the call to join came at the end of the service. And my dad was actually upset that we joined without him you know? Wow. And wow. yeah, I mean, he was upset that we joined without him. And my mother's perspective was, well, we kept on talking, talking, talking and didn't do it. So the time came and I did it. And so needless to say, when he got back in town, he joined. So still, still don't know whether it was more him or her. Um, but, you know, but, but I do like what you said, Tina, about uh, seeing the same people in church and at home. When my parents were ordained deacon and deaconess, they had to go through all kinds of all kinds of rig rigmarole with the board of deacons coming to the house, making sure that, you know, we had an upstanding family and so forth. And wow. I didn't see them, you know, buck dancing before the, before the board of deacons. They were hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, <laughs> buck dancing. <laughs> they were basically the same people at church. You know, my brother and I didn't have to lie when the board of deacons yeah. came over. You know? I got you. I got you. <laughs> um, so, so I think that that is critical because the main thing that I hear a lot of people who were churched as kids and not churched now um, complain about is the hypocrisy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a that's definitely a a big one. Is is the hypocrisy because having children and and wanting to be that example, you know, as a father, uh, 
you realize, man, I got to, you know, I got to like even today, you know, I was working on I was working on my car. I was changing the brakes in my car um, this afternoon and my son is out there with me. And I swear this one screw just did not want to go back into I'm about to give you way more information than you asked for. But for those of you who know, when you're changing brakes, your brake pads sit in the caliper and there are two screws that you got to screw back in to get the caliper back on your rotor. So there you go. That's your brakes 101 right there. But this one screw didn't want to go in. And we were just sitting there like, well, I'm like, why is it not catching to go back in? I'm, I'm sitting there literally. That's what helped me up even to, to start recording like this one screw. And I'm sitting there and I want to get angry and I wanted to start banging things. And I'm and I'm looking over my shoulder and, and I can see that my son is watching. Like, <laughs> what's he going to do? What is he going to do? Is this guy going to go nuts in here? And it made me remain calm the entire time. And I remember just telling him, yeah, son, I'm a little frustrated right now. It's not working. And, you know, I got to get inside to go record tonight. <laughs> uh, but this 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 screw is just not wanting to behave. Um, so, yeah, that 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 like that lure of hypocrisy, it, it, it's always there. You know, it's, it's always there. And then you got to kind of, oh, well, you know, guys, you know, I didn't mean it. You know, I didn't. And it's like you do that too many times and eventually your children begin to think, man, this ain't real. All this God stuff is just, a, a, you know, <laughs> in the words of the famous poet, E. Nolan, it's just some buck dancing they be doing on Sundays. <laughs> they just in there buck dancing on Sundays, man. It's it's not anything. But going back to, to the article, so they interviewed like Catholic leaders, Protestant leaders, and it's crazy because they all believed that um, parents and uh, the the nuclear family had between ninety six and ninety percent, ninety nine percent of a child's uh, development fell fell upon the uh, parents. But when you scroll down the article, so I want to get your your thoughts on this. Um, where is it here? It's later down later on in in the article. It begins to ask, okay, if that's what you believe, then how do churches prioritize? that belief right and they list about 10 things that churches do and i want i want you to listen for when empowering parents or training parents actually comes up so the the number one thing that all these leaders who were interviewed as a part of this um research study did the number one answer was sunday school and youth classes number two was catechism Number three was a Christian school or Catholic school. Uh, number four was encourage children to participate in the worship services. Number five, Christian camps or vacation Bible school. Number six, children's church, right? Worship services for children. Number seven, training children in spiritual disciplines. I'm not really sure who does that. But that's just what they call it. And then you don't get down until number eight in a list of the top 10 things. Number eight in the list is then training parents for spiritual conversations at home. And that's that's what I I that's where that hypocrisy part comes in for me, because I'm like, well, you said that the parents have the 99 percent of the responsibilities on the parents Yet you don't value training those same parents, right? Empowering those same parents that you said had 99% of the, of the responsibility and the influence and 
blah, blah, blah. But yet when it comes to what actually takes place, right, um, your priorities, because the, the way that the research says is what are your, the leaders, what are your priorities, um, training those parents for spiritual conversations and spiritual training in the home was kind of far down on the list. You know, I don't think that, I don't know that people outside of the nuclear family, people and institutions within society realize the importance of always going back into the household uh, um, and, uh, and training parents for what they contribute to kids. So yeah, it may be important to a lot of these church leaders, but maybe they're coming from the perspective of everything starts with the parent and the church is a is a springboard from what the parents should already be doing. I'm not sure if that you know was was maybe a misinterpretation in that study, but you know honestly, I I as a person who was parented but isn't yet a parent, kind of had that perspective that everything starts in the home. The parent is 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 might not be a, an expert in everything, but you definitely allocate those duties, those tasks out. But you're still that you know that person who who, who, um, who sets the stage for the development of the child. And when it comes to school, you can either say I'll school them myself or I'll send them out to school. Um, during certain times, we'll go to libraries, museums, but still the parent is the one orchestrating all that. And the same thing with the spiritual life. For your spiritual development, yeah, we'll go to church, but then there's this going on here, going on there. So, you know, honestly, part of me thought, um, and, and had that same mindset, if I'm reading this correctly, which is that everything starts with that family unit. However, um, this article actually made me rethink that. Not that the parents aren't responsible, but the thing that stuck out with me in this article is that the most important job requires the least qualification. I think that that is so strange, just the way this world is set up. That that most important job that exists is is parenting, is raising up the next generation. But the only thing that you need, <laughs> I'm trying not to be keep rude. it keep it PG thirteen, <laughs> keep it PG. <laughs> the, only, <laughs> the only thing you need is bodily organs at work, you know. Uh -huh. And so, um, and that's just that's such a strange, you know, dynamic. But if it's true, and it is, the reality is that society does need to help in, in light of that. It might be the parent's responsibility, but people will take different levels of, of responsibility. So I just thought it was, thought that was interesting. And I think that maybe the church is saying, you know, the parents are doing their job, but we're just helping them. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's, I'm, I'm trying to think about, like what I think that parental training would look like from a spiritual perspective, I guess, my notion of a relationship with God in Christ is that it does permeate every aspect of my life. Like it's, again, I think it's back to like identity and uh, it's who I am. So I don't necessarily, you know, I didn't get a training class on, well, how to be a believer in business, how to be a believer as a boss, how to be a believer as a sister how to be a believer as a, you know, like I, so I guess I'm trying to conceptualize what that training at churches would look like outside of providing sound, the sound gospel, sound doctrine, 
uh, teaching about being embodied by the Holy Spirit, uh, yielding to God, submitting to him. Um, you know, like, I just, I, I just wonder, like, like, what do we want them to teach parents outside of pointing them to having a deep spiritual relationship with God and allowing other aspects of their life to flow from that relationship. That's actually a, a very great question. Oh, go ahead, Eva. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just I was just saying if they're if they're gonna be parenting classes, I think an argument would be who better to do it than than your spiritual community. Um, because I, because one thing that that seems to be clear to me is that for a lot of people parenting is unplanned. Mm-hmm. Okay. Boom. Next thing you know, a baby is coming, mm-hmm. and and at that point, help is needed, right? But the first thing is that you have to convince a parent that they need help, and that might even take half of the childhood of the kid, because remember, the parent is growing and developing in their through their lifespan at the same time, and then once they are convinced that they need help with this, that they might say is so natural that I automatically know how to do it, which is not true then you have to spend the rest of the time helping. And so, you know, I can understand an argument being that, well, if parents, parenting does need assistance, then who else should do it, you know, besides the organization or entity that provides that spiritual education? Um, right. That's that's something I, I just wanted to bring up. And the other thing is really, it could be that some of these churches, they have all these ministries to kids and maybe embedded within those ministries. Um, are, are, are some outreach to parents. For example, children's church, you know, you, what they'll do, I guess, before, I have some friends in children's church, and I believe that what they do before the kid comes in for lesson number 10 is they send something home by email to parents saying, this is what we're going to be discussing. You know, we're going to be discussing Jonah and the fish <laughs> and some of the principles, you know, around, you know, uh, obedience and Nineveh and who the Ninevites were and what that means to you. So why don't you provide a foundation so that your child is ready for the lesson? Mm-hmm. So that things like that might already be embedded rather than a separate class that says, this is how you should be a good father or a good Yeah, father. I don't think it should be a class. And those things are actually very good, you know, whether it's children's church or Sunday school or, you know, what whatever else. I think there, there were a couple other ones, Christian schools, catechism, all, all that stuff, right? You you want to give your children the the foundations of the faith. And so, okay, they should they be, you know, sh- yes, for lack of a better term, we can call it catechism. But, yes, it's giving your children the underlying doctrines of your faith. All those things are great. But I think, Tina, your, your question was very, you know, specific and pointed in terms of what else could a um, faith community do rather than just tell people like you need to, you know, focus on your walk with the Lord and making sure that you're led of the spirit of God. And I, and yes, but there are some very specifics that will also be needed in lieu, you know, in, in, in addition to that, right. My, my walk with the Lord is important and my children need to see me grow and mature and be led by God. But there are some very specifics. Like there's a scripture in the Bible that I can think of offhand. I can't, I forget its address. Um, but Paul writes, older women, teach the younger women. Like teach them about wiveness and motherness, that right? That's a very specific and pointed verse. That's not necessarily listen to the word of God and sit under good teaching. That is older women, pull this younger woman aside and tell her, 
how to submit to a husband who doesn't always deserve his that honor, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's something that needs to be taught because you can sit under great doctrine, but if you're living with a man you don't feel deserves honor, but God commands you to honor him, how do I wrestle through that, right? You have to wrestle through. Go ahead. As an aside, AJ, um, what you just said might answer the question uh, about who should approach who. Um, There's a big question among, Mm. you know, the younger women. Should I go to the older woman and the older woman? Should I go to the young? Well, I think that (laughs) might tell tell you the instruction is that the older woman should be the one to approach the younger facts women. facts and i mean same thing for men you know there there are you know struggles and various things again that are very specific to being a husband and then they're different than being a father i remember talking to a brother who was married but they didn't have children yet and i can even drop this nugget for you and marvin right like he because i was telling him about kids and he was like yeah man it's like you know when i got married and i was like bruh Mm, it's not really the same. And the the, the, the way I said it, uh, the way I told him was the difference between being unmarried and being married is that's the same difference it will be being married and then being married with a child. It is literally different. A married couple and then a family are two different organisms. <laughs> they are They are not the same. They may resemble one another, Right. But they are they are different species, you know, and that's those are things like you need very specific teaching and, and training in some things. And so that's why I found um, the, the article, you know, peculiar in terms of their responses, because it's like the the leaders understood parents are the number one influence and they are the number one force in a child's development but yet they don't prioritize those little niche niche trainings and you know very pointed and, and specific um, you know things that need to be poured into people to teach them to be parents. Like you could love God and give your whole heart to the Lord, and the Holy Spirit will direct you. But you could still royally fail at a lot of different things as it pertains to your family and you know and you know their their spiritual development. But but I still think it goes back to a pointed question, like uh, what exactly are they teaching? I mean, the Bible, yes, okay. Even if you go to that Timothy scripture and, you know, older women teach younger, you know, women how to love their husbands and love their children. You have to unpack, like that unpacking of, of loving your children and your husband. Like what what is that class? Like I understand, like my husband and I, we're going to get like an infant care class tomorrow, right? So that's going to be infant CPR and, you know, just signs to watch out for this, like some of the practical, natural aspects, right, of just uh, working with children and, you know, taking care of them. When you get into um, the spiritual aspects, you know, like, I guess, like, I'm just curious as to, you know, this is how to love your children 101. Okay. You know, that's so the scripture where it leads you is, you know, older women teach the younger women how to love your husbands and to love your children. So then where is that coming from outside of like, I guess, an older woman's relationship with God, her experience and, and having raised children and, 
you know, do we have to check and make sure her children were like good and well behaved their entire lives? Because then like, you know, if you listen to them, it's it's just like, well, I don't really like the way your children turned out. Like your like, children you know, hell raises, man. What you right, telling me? Right, what you telling right. me? <laughs> they, they, they just turned and got right, on the good yeah. path at like 25, you know, but they were like little hellions up until 24. You know, so <laughs> I, I guess like... I, I'm, and I'm really curious, like, what, what are some of the topics, like, practically speaking, moving from that scripture into, like, what is the name of the class? And, and you know, like, what exactly is it other than, again, anecdotal from what somebody else did based upon their spiritual walk with God? What is that class? What are those classes? I'm gonna let Eva jump in because uh, she knows where so, I could kind of go with that. So I'm gonna let you go. Yeah. I mean, I, actually, it's it's sort of a it's all, sort of an aside again, because because when you well, you're opening a can of worms that speaks to the fact that the church that the local faith community needs to be um, uh, uh, ministering to your whole self. Right? Like, so so your whole self, you know, your relationships uh, with, you know, with, with your kids, with your with your spouse, um, your health. I mean, it's it's not a thing where just preach the gospel and shut up, you know. And and that's what we get when we when we bring up some of the social issues that are going on right now that the Bible does speak about, right? The Bible does have something to say about some of the social issues, uh, as an example. And so when you're told, when, when, you, when you actually are part of an evangelical um, movement right now that says, nope, I don't want to hear anything, just preach the gospel, unfortunately, that extends to other areas. So can, if you tell somebody not to talk about, you know, social, about police violence because they need to just preach the gospel, who's, who's to say that that doesn't apply with parenthood? And yeah. being able to, to guide people in that area right. or mm-hmm. in terms of finances or in terms of health, you know, in terms of all kinds of stuff. So what you just, you know, I wasn't going to speak directly to that, AJ. I, I know you have that one, but I just, you know, I, it, it was just obvious to me as you were talking um, that when a minister preaches and the preaching ministry is just one ministry within that whole um, uh, uh, spiritual community. But when he gets up there and, and preaches, these are some things, these principles of parenting and, and child rearing and, and, and psychological development, uh, developmental psychology of kids throughout, throughout their childhood, which is extremely important for parents to know, otherwise they will wring a neck in a minute. So, you know, if you don't know where your child is developmentally or where, what the next stage of your child, you don't know what the heck is going on. You think the child is just being a terrible person um, and all that stuff, you know, yes, your preaching shouldn't just be two lines in the book of Mark speak to and <laughs> preach to the whole person. Yeah. 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 I think that, um, and this is why, you know, ladies and gentlemen, I said, I, I needed the, this, this genuine ideological, you know, faith on here. Cause y'all know, I, you know, um, I think that, uh, because Tina's question is coming from a, a very genuine place. I want to try to give it a, a, a genuine response. Not that I have all the answers. I just know what I've tried and the things that have worked and the things that I haven't seen worked. And I think that the first part of the question, even though it's very genuine, I think that's where we are. And that is what sets us kind of on the wrong sort of path, because I don't think it should be a class. 
And I, I know you weren't saying that out of a, you know, some sort of ulterior motive. I know it was a genuine question, but I think that's part of the problem is we make it into a class. And, you know, you go to a couple classes, you know, I've, I've gotten certifications, right? I've, you go to a couple classes, you get certified, all right, go on. You, you're on your way, have, have a good day. But things like, you know, parenting and being married and just living the, the, the life that Christ would have us to live, like those things can't be summed up in a class, right? This is not risk management, you know, <laughs> like this, this is not, this is, this is, this is like people's lives at stake. And so I think that's part of the problem. We've turned it into sort of a class type thing. We've, we've made it transactional, mm-hmm. which is, you know, been one of our biggest mistakes in, in the kingdom of God, you know, for, for those of us who, who follow Christ in the house of God, we've, we've made things transactional. Come to these four classes and you'll be a great parent, Right. Come to these two classes and we'll set you up to find your spouse. Or come here for three classes and we'll show you how God wants you to be to to, to prosper. Like mm-hmm. life in Christ is not transactional. Um, I think that it 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 like the that scripture that we keep quoting: the older women teach the younger women. Like come to my house, spend some time with me, watch what I do when my husband comes in here with an attitude. Right. Watch what I do when when my children lie to me or are being rebellious. And conversely, men, watch what I do when my wife is disrespecting me. Watch how I still love her. I want you to watch. Right. Watch how I treat my children. Watch how I treat those in my sphere who've done me wrong. Right. Who we have bad history, but watch how I entreat them. You know, these are the things that take place over many, many years. And so I think that it it, it speaks to the um, restructuring that needs to take place in, in many of our faith communities mm-hmm. um, because people's, you know, like I said, people's lives are at stake and they go to one or two classes. Listen, I've been victim to that. You know, you go to three or four classes and then you come home and you think you got it and then you, and then you, you fail. You're like, but the, the, the guy in the class had to do this three times and click my heels and I could be on a yellow brick road. What? what happened right and it's like well because it's, this thing is not transactional it 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 requires a, your full investment into the success of another and so that's why when i saw that training for parents um spiritual training for parents in the home like that is that requires the one training as well as the one being trained to have themselves be fully invested in the success of the training right not just a all right see you later like i'm gonna end with this you know there's a brother i heard he was talking about divorce in christian circles and he said why don't we go back and we start taking the minister's license from all these guys who married people and who got divorced in six months or a year like all these preachers out here that's been marrying folk and if look, if 30% of your marriages ended in divorce in six months or a year, I'm coming for your license. <laughs> I was like, like, you know, that because that just shows me, were you really fully invested in these people? Or did you just get a check to marry somebody and you kept it pushing? So anyway, just we gotta restructure. I think we just gotta restructure a lot of stuff that that we do. Well, what's that? You're talking about organic church, doing church or doing, I should not even use the word church, You doing your spiritual life within your spiritual community organically. Yeah. And I, I guess like, so that, I guess what I was getting at, like with a class and things like that, to me, I would assume that 
this research was based on more of what we're seeing in terms of a current contemporary traditional church model. Right? right, right. So so when you're asking that question, you know, even though they're saying parents are the most important, it's I'm not sure what other like what kind of answer could come from that church structure or what they could do other than having some class or course. And if if there's some class or course, like, you know, really like what would the topic of that be? Because I, I do, I, I feel like it keeps coming back to how are you living your life? Like even with the instructor, if an instructor, quote unquote, or someone that's, dis, you know, we're coming back to d- discipling really, right? Like it, it has to be a home organic outside of the four walls of a Sunday morning kind of interaction. I mean, that that's just, so we're back into like a home environment again, right? Like, which is, mm. that's how I got discipled, right? It just so happened that the the older woman change, you know, training the younger woman was my mom, <laughs> you Amen. know, and, Amen. you know, a spiritual kind. Con- so I had both combined into one, but even if, you know, if that wasn't my context um, or my dad, you know, just in, in his presence, uh, in the house, like that, that was the, you know, older man modeling, you know, what godly manhood looks like for me. So when you, when you don't have that kind of home environment, I'm not sure what we're left with <laughs> mm. in terms of an expectation of the types of churches that I think were interviewed, you know, with this Barna research, because it keeps coming back to the home. If it's yeah. not the parent, then the parent has to get trained by another adult that has to model their spiritual relationship with God <laughs> in terms of how that plays out in everyday life. Yeah. You know, um, so, I, so I, I hear what you're saying. It's not like, you know, what, what, what do you want? Then like, what do you want from me? Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I mean, I think who you interviewed, like, I'm not sure what these churches like in the traditional <laughs> model of how we have churches set up. Like, what else are you going to do? Like, besides have a class or a course and, you know, how many times do you have the parenting one-on-one, one-on-one course, right? Like, do you run it once a year? So then it just shifts to, let's just try to chain the children directly instead of, you know, we don't really have time maybe for modeling this in front of parents. And, you know, I, I don't know. You know, that's but that's what it actually comes down to. At, at yeah. some point, someone's going to have to be willing to say, all right, like that's one of the things I actually appreciate about Paul. Because it's like, I think he realized I'm going to have to start giving things like I got to start pushing all this stuff. If I'm going to do this thing here, I'm really going to have to put a lot of other things down. Right. And when he begins to recite all of his qualifications, right, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisee and this and that taught at the learned at the feet of Gamaliel. And he realized I'm at the put. But I still count all that stuff as done. Right. And I think, Tina, to to your question, what it's going to require is people, you know, who are in leadership like this. Why why Paul says in Corinthians, I believe he says you can have 10,000 instructors in Christ. Some translations say teachers. But he's making the 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 point still is still the the same. You can have ten thousand, or you can have a million, <clears throat> but you do not have many fathers. And I fathered you in the gospel. I have been willing to lay down what it takes to lay down. I mean, because as a parent, you lay things down, right? Right. There are just certain things now. You realize, okay, 
I was going to do this, but not anymore. Like this thing is not going to happen anymore. Right. I had plans to do this and I had plans to do that. But now children kind of take, you know, preeminence over some of those plans. And so you got to put some of those plans and ideas down. And I think for many of those leaders, you're right. They were, I, I feel like they were trying to have their cake and eat it too, so to speak, because it sounds great to say, oh yeah, parents are the number one influence. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, what are you doing? Oh, we just gonna keep doing Sunday school and uh, these, <laughs> we just gonna keep doing children's church over here, you know. And it's like, you you can't do both. You're gonna have to be willing to say, okay, I do believe parents are the number one influence in a child's spiritual formation. And that may require me as a leader to lay down some things to be able to invest in those parents. And I might lose out on some stuff. I might I might lose out on some things, right? As a, you know, many of you know my story. That, that, that's why I love sharing my story. You know, I used to be an, an ordained elder. I was a I was a professional minister and prepared Sunday morning sermons and, you know, arguing with my wife on the way to church to, you know, when I had to preach. I mean, I was there. And, but I have been able to do so much more, not in that context. I, like I disciple people one-on-one. I just didn't have the time for that before, especially if you're not on staff at a church and you're, what's it called? Bivocational, right? Well, I had a full-time job. I actually had two jobs and was also an ordained elder helping to lead a church. You don't have time to be sitting down with people one-on-one and investing in them. You don't got time for that. I mean, we, we, we all can be realistic. We, all, we, we don't have time for that. So, and these many of these leaders probably had the same issue. They didn't have time for that or they don't have time for it. So we try to set people's spiritual life on autopilot with these programs. And I just think we're kind of seeing the, the repercussions of that. You know, we're, we're seeing it all around us. And so I think it just requires... Uh, certain generation of, of leaders to be willing to lay down what's going to be required to lay down, to invest in people to the degree that, that you just mentioned, Tina. Yeah, I need, I think it also can, as an educator, I know the importance of classes and curricula and courses. And so, you know, we don't want to throw out babies with bathwater. We, we know that there is, there's a place for it. There's right. Right. That, you know, when you have the older woman, you know, and, and of course this speaks to, to having um, not just mentorship, but relationships that are multi-generational. Right, right. Um, and, and real relationships. So that means that you're spending time with older women and you're spending time with younger men, you know, and actual time is being spent. And so certain things are going to be taught through that. And, you know, almost to, almost to AJ's point, you know, when somebody, when you're discipling or when you just are building relationships and, and, and walking this life with someone, not only do they get to see um, you modeling the right thing to do, but they also get to see you modeling, you know, when you mess up when right. you snap you, at your wife. Exactly. And, you know, and then you're able to use that as a teachable moment once you get, you know, once you stop right. puffing and puffing, you know, at some point you can use that as a teachable moment. But, but yeah, so there are certain things about parenting that is, that are specific enough that yes, they do need to be taught in, uh, taught in class. I mentioned developmental stages just because that's just extremely important. You know, toddlerdom, um, you know, toddlerdom is, is, is the most insane notion in existence. And you have to understand that this, this creature, you know, yes. this, this creature, <laughs> all is of that to be <laughs> selfish, you know, this, this creature is supposed to be about him or herself. And every single thing is not that they don't love you, 
but they're at a stage where they need somebody to say, I value you. That's where they're actually getting their, um, you know, getting that, that sense of, of love and, and unconditional love and belonging from. So you have to just, yes, you should be, you, you should, you should teach certain principles to that kid, but don't take it personally, <laughs> you know, but what I'm saying is that, you know, teaching classes about what this stage is, or better yet, this is what's coming up, um, is extremely important. What does an infant need? Why does an infant behave like that? Teenagers, et cetera, prepubescence, you know, another strange sort of illogical stage to us as adults, even though we were the ones that inflicted it on our own parents, but we forget about things like that. Um, so yeah, some things should be taught in a classroom setting, but 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 you know, I think they complement each other. Right. Yeah. Living those those things should be kind of like the 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 side dishes instead of the main course. Yes, because you could be with an older woman, right? And in through those discussions, she would say, you should probably go to a toddler class, right? Or, you know what, you and your husband should probably set up a date night or, you know, just however you want to word it, like whatever the, the issue is, but it, it, it sort of flows out of that organic piece. Then you can go into... All right, well, I need to take a class because I was talking to Sonia. I was talking to uh, Tina, and she told me that I should go take a class on this, right? Because she's been through this. So I was talking to Eva as opposed to, you know how we've been doing it. Yeah, let me look online and try to find, you know, we just kind of, it's a very haphazard, random. Let me go try to find a book on (laughs) It's like, man, it's like, Lord, it's got to be something a little bit more structured than how we currently are just kind of winging stuff. But do you guys think that those classes, and uh, I guess even this goes back to your mention of the whole person, do you think that those sorts of classes, much like, you know, when someone is saying, uh, I think I need like a psychologist, you know, or a psychiatrist support, and you would often hear, you know, make sure that you go to a psychologist or a psychiatrist that has the same values as you, like from a, you know, Christian biblical based kind of, you know, spiritual perspective. Do you think that the same in terms of the classes for teaching, you know, how to be a good parent? Like, Don't you know, Eva? You should... <laughs> no, I was, I was going to say not necessarily. You yeah. Know? I mean, now if, if you happen to have, I mean, I think, and that's the thing, if we have, if we're a part of communities of faith, that are diverse in terms of the different people's gifts, which it's supposed to be in the first place, then there'll be somebody there. You'll have your, you know, developmental psychologist who like, look, I'm going to teach this class because I see what you guys are doing right. <laughs> to your poor right. kids. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, but so, yeah, I think that, but, but whether the person has to be a believer, let me just give you an example. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. Don't go so, spilling your tea now. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Well, no, no, this isn't about me, but this is, so, so there is a, I'll just use a different word than what might be appropriate here. There's a, there's a person who knows about human sexuality, let's put it like that, and, and she actually goes, she, she's not someone who believes, you know, according to the Judeo-Christian worldview, but she does know the science <laughs> related in the psychology related to human sexuality, that a lot of times people will go to the pulpit and say certain things about it that honestly they don't know what they're talking about at all. Right. They're just taught, you know, they like they just don't know, mm-hmm. you know, basic stuff, you know, like certain certain bodily organs are are just um, you know, have different 
you know, aspects to them than what's being treated. Y'all, she is fighting to keep this PG. She is fighting. (laughs) So I think that what, so so to to kind of shun somebody and say, oh, they don't believe anyway. No, this person, you know, is, you know, a a biologist (laughs) of human sexuality. Let them, you know, teach a class on that. That's just, that's just an example. Um, I don't think we should throw everybody out just because they haven't yet chosen to believe. Right, right. Yeah, and I guess that's that's what I'm, um, you know, I I sense that, you know, a lot of like the church's role is in a lot of that stuff that happens in the home in everyday life, especially for people that, that don't already have that with their biological family members, right, where that's wrapped into it. That coming then from the church, that means that there needs to be that deacon or that elder or whatever that has that young man coming over to the house and to barbecues and, you know, going to like different events and maybe vacations and stuff like, you know, it's got to get back into the home because the, the types of classes that you're talking about, you know, they are very practical, right? Like it's, it's like we're getting an infant care class, right? It, right. it so happens that it's a friend of mine, you know, from college and she's a believer, et cetera, as well. But I want the best infant care, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know that holy CPR is going to be, you know, better than like, you know, regular, I want to know how to do CPR the best, you know, right. Like get trained. <laughs> you know so yeah I guess like just you know kind of wrapping it back to the the Barna research I I think it's just uh it's an ace it's almost like a disconnected asymmetric I I don't know kind of conversation because who you're asking or who I think you know was was probably um interviewed to your point AJ it's the model for that kind of instruction is probably not one that they are considering is what's needed they are in that kind of class course sort of context and so you know when you're talking about a parenting class or you know prioritizing parenting if they're not to the place where they are you know looking at going into the home and you know having that kind of structure set up then I can see why it's the last thing on the list right it's just you know (laughs) And, you know, and that's honestly the unfortunate part. You're, 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 I mean, you're spot on, but it's, it's the unfortunate part that we, you know, like, like, like they, they say doing the same things over and over again and expecting a different result is insanity. Right. And it's like, we'll, we'll just continue to trot out these programs and, and, you know, and then when the results are what they are, we'll say, man, it's because these people are sinners. It's because these people are heathens, and it's like, well, no, nah, man. It's because it's because people don't want to go. People are looking for something a little bit deeper, and and you're 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 right in in terms of the the Barna research. And you know, I will say this: Barna went to who they thought to go to, right? They you know they they didn't know who else to go to. Let's just find some. Stop, stop it. <laughs> See, y'all, we we not recording this on video, so. <laughs> um they 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 went to who they they thought would would have these answers um and the answers they got reflected the the perspective of the people that they went to um but i i think that we're we're just in in a time now where people know because i mean once i read this i was kind of like yeah you know what i mean and i think that there are lots of people that realize okay 
this ain't it, right? And what and what unfortunately happens because we refuse to do things differently. And I'm not saying everybody because there probably are some folks around who are listening who say, no, we do things differently and more, more power to you. Amen. Um, more get Go get more people. But I will just say that we don't do that. And so we cannot continue to remain surprised when people just don't go to these churches. They just stop going. Right. And what I have found is, which is becoming more and more prevalent, it's not even people like, I'm not going to church because they want to go back to a life of sin. Right. That's what we used to think it was. Oh, they're just backsliding. They want to go back and live a life of sin. That's why they left the church. And they're like, no, they're leaving because they're looking for something deeper and more profound. They're like, no, I actually want to know more about God. I actually want to press into the kingdom of God. This drink is prohibiting me from doing that you know and it's like this would be one of those areas because you know listen parenthood is difficult it's not for everybody i tell people all the time man this this thing is tough i mean this this is listen being a child growing up is tough right that's also difficult becoming an adult making it (laughs) making it to adulthood is is tough and then to have to try to replicate that um is is you know doubly um difficult and so we just have to I think we just got to be a little bit more skilled. I think Psalm 33 talks about how David encouraged them to don't just play the instruments, but play them skillfully. He talks about how you are to use your talents in a skillful way. Like, don't just start banging things together. Play it skillfully. We're playing this to the Lord, right? And so it's like, I think similarly, man, listen, these people are looking for something a little bit more profound. Exercise a little bit of skill. And if you don't have the skill, to Eva's point, Go find somebody that has the skill, right? Win them to the kingdom so that they can then bring that skill into the house of God, man. I will interject that. I think some of the the trend, though, for small group is, mm-hmm. is helpful in taking a step in the right direction, right? Like, I know that has been a trend with churches. And I know specifically Marvin and I, um, when we... Um, he was already attending and a member of a certain church. And so, you know, I joined that church as well, but the specific small group that we had talked about getting in is we prioritize being in a group with a lot of married couples. Like that was, right. that was the small group that, you know, I said I wanted to be a part of. And so like, that is, that has actually been like really helpful because then as we're talking about, you know, different topics and, you know, the way our small group topics are picked is like, it, you know, it looks back at like a sermon that the pastor taught, you know, like on a Sunday, and then, you know, you get to kind of discuss it in more depth during that small group. So we get to hear and see like couples, you know, like weighing in They're they're in the small group, we're listening to them and their discourse, they're talking about you know, like their life experiences from the context of that particular sermon topic, you know, um, before the pandemic, you know, we planned things like barbecues, you know, or, you know, events where we would get together in person, you know, some of the couples came by, like when we had our curbside baby shower, you know, so some of that is like where there's some opportunity for, I guess, getting involved um, in, in personal lives, you know, and I know some of the men on the call who are fathers are like, you know, said to Marvin, like, yeah, Marvin, you know, we're, we'll have to get, we need to get together, you know, so we can, you know, kind of chat it up. And I think Marvin is completely open. Certainly. I think, I think it's actually like the more organic piece of it though, is like with Marvin and my dad, 
like Marvin watches like everything my dad does. It's hilarious. Wow. Right? right. Like, and then he tries to bring it back. Well, you know, your dad did. I was like, wait a second. I didn't marry my dad. Yes. I was <laughs> like a lot of, you know, but it's like, that becomes like his basis of hey, like, that's a, that's a man of wisdom right there. He like, listen, your father was doing this. So I'm... <laughs> right, exactly. He does. He does. Like, so he's like, I'm, I'm all good. Cause you know what? Your daddy, uh, I watched him and you know, my mom laughs cause she's like, Oh, I, I need to tell you, my husband then make sure, you know, he knows Marvin is watching everything he's doing. So <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, I think, you know, small groups is like perhaps like where there's the best opportunity, I guess, if we're still kind of staying in this traditional larger church kind of model. To me, small groups is like, if there's any hope of, I don't know, redeeming kind of the <laughs> any hope <laughs> yeah like church structure you know and having some sort of instruction yes i think that's the that's a definitely good starting place yes that's yeah. definitely a, a good starting place because the the end of, of the article just as we kind of come around third base here you know the, the, the article ends with a very interesting quote it it quotes um barna's senior vp of research as well as a couple of the um pastors but it says that in this study and several other studies that they've done with Christian parents, their research, their research group has found that the parents crave guidance on how to educate their children, knowing that their children are growing up in a far more secular world than their own. Parents want to hear more on these issues. And church leaders, and then this is what Barna's VP adds in, church leaders have the opportunity to develop a unique community for faith formation by bringing in parents, school administrators, other leaders together in partnerships for faith development. This study just illustrate, they said that this study just illustrates the disconnect between the groups. And that's, again, because Barna's not going to point you in a direction. They're just here to say, hey, there is a disconnect here. You guys need to do something about this disconnect. And so, you know, for those listening, we're not here again. We don't want to try to beat up, but it's to highlight these areas to say, hey, here's another reason why we should probably pivot and do something a little different because there's a clear disconnect. If If you have parents who are craving, right, the training necessary to to advocate for this spiritual formation, this spiritual maturity in their children, in their families. And you have these leaders saying, yeah, you know, parents should be doing this. There's the disconnect there. Something has to f- come in to fill in that gap. And if it's, if it's a small group, listen, do something organic, get together with some, you know, like we talked about that scripture. If you know a married couple and you have questions, and you trust them, reach out to them. Hey, do you mind if my wife and I come over, my husband and I come over? Hey, if you are desired to be married and you see a married couple that are doing things that you think are you know, of good report, hey, you mind if I just come over and ask you guys some questions? You mind if we just kind of build and begin to talk consistently, like begin to do these things on, on an organic level? I think it would be very beneficial for you. And from that, could then spring the, hey, we know of a class. We know of some different training modules you can do to help you with that thing. But now it can be very specific, tailored, and you know more pointed to the specific issues that you may have. 
as opposed to just go out and find it on your own, figure it out, and we kind of give people a you know cliche, oh, God will lead you, the Holy Spirit will do something. Just just get leave me alone. No, I think that's where we got to start really being willing and to be invested in the development of others. Yeah, so everything that is being said uh, during this episode reminds me of the importance of uh, being deliberate and building culture. Uh, and this is something that traditional societies did well. Every aspect of the lifespan was embedded because they had so long to build these things, was embedded into the culture of traditional societies. Rites of passage answered a lot of the manhood and womanhood training questions. Council of elders, you know, automatically put in place a, a way that wisdom could be passed down, et cetera, et cetera. Um, women didn't just raise children on their own in nuclear family and run from work to come back home and go through all that. No, there were other people, you know, who were there who knew about postpartum depression and what right. situations, you know. And so um, if if the church, if the faith wants to remain uh, relevant, but more importantly, uh, serve the people, um, then there has to be uh, there has to be a building of cultural artifacts or creation of cultural um, artifacts and, and aspects and variables so that communities of people in faith um, have those things met in an organic way. Uh, so this doesn't speak against going to church on the Sabbath day and all these things, but you know those, as you were saying earlier, AJ, can be um, bookends. You know, they, they can be something that. Um, is, is that happens, but the primary thing is the relationship between the people. Amen. That is, uh, I think that's a great, um, you had another thought, Tina? Well, I was going to say, I don't know that we stayed on your topic of fathers. Specifically. <laughs> it's and, all good. Uh, I think you, whole, listen, y'all, yeah. y'all like, we, we're going to take this, listen, y'all, this is ladies night. So I, they're like, listen, <laughs> we, we're taking this podcast. We're making a left turn. <laughs> it's funny. I was, uh, I was on a, uh, men's, uh, had a men's fellowship earlier today and a couple of the brothers, they've been married like, you know, 25, 30 years, a couple of older guys. And they were saying, listen, men, emotions don't always equal logic. When If, if your wife is saying she wants to do something because she feels a certain way, you got to just let her just go. Don't try to say, honey, that doesn't make sense. What are you doing? Because you're asking for an argument. He's like, if you do that, you're asking for an argument. I was like, you know what? I've only been married uh, 16 years, but I have learned that. So listen, ladies, y'all y'all flowing. I'm not, listen, I have been beaten into submission. I understand when when, when women are flowing. I'm not oh going, I'm, I'm not, you saw I just jumped right in there. I didn't say, hey, let's go back to the article. I just, hey, let's keep going. I'm following, I'm following, I'm following y'all stream. I'm following y'all stream, but ladies, don't take my words as saying you're illogical because that could take it. It'll be taken in a whole other way. I'm not saying that, but men, we are limited. We are limited uh, emotionally. Where women thrive emotionally, we are a little limited. I can say that as a man who's a middle-aged man, and I know that I have limitations in my emotions. So, anyway, but we love all. We love all. We 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 uh, love you all. So anyway, thank you guys for rocking with us, though. We we do appreciate it. Um, listen. Check out the Barna study and just understand that, you know, you got to be willing to be invested in the development of others, just as others will be willing to be invested in your development. So whether we talk about uh, Sunday school and children's church or we're talking about, you know, small groups and getting it in with older couples so that you can grow and develop, you know, we're going to keep God in the mix. So for the ladies, Eve and Tina, this is AJ saying peace.